morning, everybody. How you doing? Good to be in church with you today, and I'm excited. Uh, once I can get my iPad to work, which it's going crazy on me. I don't know what's going on. I might. There we go. I got it. Praise the Lord. We're good. Touchdown. Um, everybody happy to be in church this morning, even though like it snowed six inches last night. We're still all good. We're still all good. Everybody's safe. We're in cozy, comfortable chairs. Everybody's happy. Praise the Lord. Well, my name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am and uh, if you're new and you, and you came out today f- uh, for church, I just want to thank you for being here. In fact, I want to thank all of our online and cable viewers for also watching us. Can you give them a big hand? Thank them. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to do a little mini series um, called He Said, She Said. Everybody say, He Said. She said, okay, so the next couple of weeks, we're kind of kind of piggyback on our marriage uh, seminar that we just had just a couple of, uh, last weekend, last Saturday, actually, amen, that was good for a lot of people, some people still doing their homework, praise the Lord, um, and uh, we're going to tackle like two different subjects from two different uh, points of view, and I don't know about you, but of course, we're going to do this all supported by the Word of God, founded on the Word of God as well, but we're going to talk about the differences kind of between men and women, but, but we're going to talk about it from two different vantage points or voices. How many know that sometimes you need to hear something from somebody else's perspective as it relates to you, yourself, right? And, 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 and I know that when I was raising kids, that sometimes I taught my kids things for like 10, 15 years, and then somebody showed up in one weekend, and they're like, hey, Dad, I want to tell you something that, you know, so-and-so told me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've been telling you that for like a decade. And uh, suddenly they, you know, they got it. So there's just something about that. I don't know what it is. But, um, but anyway, I'm going to kind of talk to you from, the, from my perspective, you know, some things that I think are going to help us connect better. And then my wife is going to come in next week, and she's going to do some things that help you connect better as well. And so that's kind of where the he said, you can be like pastor said, and then next week he can say, well, Pastor Stacy said. Okay, so that's where the he said, she said comes from. Do you get it, everybody? And there's an added twist to this because, um, you know, sometimes um, we don't see that it's the differences that make all the difference. And that's kind of like the motto for he said, she said, is that the differences can make all the difference or the differences can be the things that we compete about that separate us or they can be the things that we celebrate and that complement who we are. Stacy and I had to learn that over time, mostly me. Uh, how to celebrate our differences. How many know you don't want, you think you do, and sometimes you behave in a way that even though your intellect says it's crazy, but we behave in a way where I'm trying to get Stacy to be like me, and then we'd be happy. How many know we wouldn't be happy if she was like me, everybody? But our behavior sometimes tries to do that and make that happen, and so that's a concern. And another concern I have sometimes is that as men, as it relates to women, I think in general, and I'm talking you know, secular as well as within the Christian community, sometimes I don't think we value women the way we should. And that was an opportunity for all the men to say amen. And the women to go, shh, all the women, shh. Uh, there's this tendency, and, and I've seen layers of it over the years in my life. If I look back at different seasons in my life, I can see times where, you know, my value was here, and then it went here. And even recently, where I think it's really high, I was with one of my overseers recently and, and his wife, and they were poking on me about some things and some postures and positions and ideas that I had about women. And I sometimes think we don't value them. And as a point of humor, you know, you guys know all the probably Genesis account, the whole Adam and Eve story, Adam's in the garden, uh, 
Uh, he's placed there by God in Eden. He was given um, the opportunity to, to you know, take care of and, and, and have dominion over the earth. And all those things are happening there. And, he's, and he's, he's alone. He's alone in the garden. And at some point, he comes to the conclusion, I'm alone. And so I, I don't know if it happened like this, but I think he talked to God. He just said, hey, God, you know, is there any chance, you know, uh, I can get a little help down here? You know, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of things going on. And, and maybe you could send me some company. And I think God responded and basically said, yeah, I can send you some company. I can send you, I can send you a perfect, perfect person for you to come into your life and, and to come alongside you. And, 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 of course, this would be a stereotypical kind of Archie Bunker way to look at things. But she can clean and she can cook and she can wash and she can, she can rub your feet and, and she can rub your shoulders every day. And, and, and she's just perfect for you. And, of course, Adam was tickled pink about that kind of a description. And, and so God says to Adam, well, there's just one catch. And, 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 Ad, and Adam's like, well, what, what, what is, what's the catch? He goes, what's going to cost you? And so, so Adam says, well, what's going to cost me? He says, what's going to cost you an arm and a leg? <laughs> and then Adam just thought, he said, huh, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> anyway, that's our problem, guys. That's our problem, everybody. We've devalued women, you know, and maybe that's the issue. So uh, looking at your notes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, this is kind of known as the marriage mystery chapter. It's, it, you see this correlation between the church of Jesus Christ and marriage, between a husband and a wife. And in this particular chapter, a lot of times we skip verse 21 and we go right to the roles and responsibilities of a husband and a wife. And interestingly enough, we focus on the part that we want our spouse to know that refers to us. In other words, the men focus on the part that says, women, submit, you know, just like Sarah did to, to Abraham, you know, and called him master. And, and we, we, want, we want her to know that part. And it's amazing how many men memorize that particular verse and can recall that verse and bring that verse up in certain times and places and bark out commands. And, and then the women, you know, we focus on this this, this chapter from verse 22 all the way down to verse 31, and, and it talks about that the husband's supposed to lay his life down for his wife, and, and he cleanses her with the word, and, and, and we, we want to point that out, like, I don't see you serving me, I see you wanting me to serve you, and we focus on those two differences, but we do it the wrong way, but there's this kind of overarching verse in verse 21, it says this, and I think this is kind of critical, it says, submit to one another out of what? reverence for Christ. So we need to see that in, for this to be right, this has to be right. There is a correlation between the vertical and the horizontal that God created uh, in his perfect design to manifest this in this. The laboratory of a successful relationship is you can't say this is good if you are not laying your life down for your wife, if you are not honoring, revering, and submitting to your husband, this is connected to this, and this is connected to this. Can I have an amen out there? And then it goes on, and it says in verse 25, here's kind of the roles. Husbands, love your wives. Look at this, guys. This is strong. I wish it was bigger. Capitalize. Just as. Just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Right? You need a visual, everybody? He died. 
I'll come back to that. And gave himself up for her to make her holy. This is how she gets better, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. See, your wife becomes like the church, radiant, holy, cleansed, pure, when you lay your life down. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In the same way, ladies say in the same way. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So, ladies, this is, this is their responsibility. that They need to know this, but you got to be, shh. Guys, you need to understand, it's saying husbands, just as Christ laid down his life, husbands ought to also love their wives, what? As their own bodies, why does God do that like that? Because he, he's trying to say to you, if you take care of your wife like you take care of yourself, you're going to be good. You're going to be good. If you, the way you feed and nourish, come on, we love to feed ourselves, don't we, everybody, right? I mean, sometimes I think we're married to the refrigerator more than we're married to our spouse, okay? Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, all right? This is a critical part, and next week we'll talk about the other half, so trust me, guys, ladies won't be off, off the hook on, 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 on their part as it relates to you, but guys, I don't know if we see the text like this sometimes. I, I think one of the reasons marriages fail is because we take truth, we twist it, we make it and manipulate it to our design, our desires, our orders. And, and again, like I said before, we're sometimes barking out, you know, truths from the lazy boy. You know, uh, we're so used to a remote control life that sometimes we're, we go from the TV to our wife and it's not working. You know what I mean? She's not muting, you know, and, and change the channel, you know. And in short, what this scripture is telling us is relationships don't work right if we don't give up our rights. Relationships don't work right if we don't give up our rights. That rights, we, we lay down in a biblical union. We lay down our rights and we pick up responsibilities in order to be successful in the union. We, in a biblical relationship, we die to, we don't, we don't die, like, physically. What do we die to? I die to me. And, and that's the crazy part about Christian relationships that a lot of people never come to grips with, never surrender or submit to, is that in order for me to be good with Stacy, I've got to die to me and serve her selflessly. As a byproduct of that, there is a way better chance, opportunity, potential for there to be happiness in my life as well. And that's something that sometimes we just can't see. We just think, well, if I die to me, she's just going to stomp all over me. She's just going to, you know what I mean? She's going to suplex me every single Sunday on the way to church. And it's not the case. In fact, in Galatians 2.20, I think it's in your notes, it says this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. What do you mean? She's going to kill me? Maybe. But, but we're not talking about a physical death. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is, this is the thing. If you don't fire up your relationship with Jesus Christ, you're never going to be able to get along with her. It's just not going to work. I don't live now for me. I, when I came down the altar, when I got married 26, almost 27 years ago, I didn't come down to the altar with the right perspective. I came down to the altar saying, I want my wishes, I want my hopes, my dreams, my desires, my preferences to be met. I'm saying I do so I can't. 
I'm saying I do so I can get those things. Those, this, this truckload that she didn't see behind me at the altar. And, and then when we crossed the line into marriage and we got home, I, it was beep, 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 beep. And I just backed all that stuff up on her. And the dynamic between Stacy and I literally changed in minutes. Because it went from wishes and desires, and some of those were legitimate, to expectations. And those expectations <laughs> crashed upon her. And so I should have come down the altar to an altar. Listen, this is crazy. An altar of death. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> death to me. Death to, death to, it's not about me anymore. This is what the word of God is telling you. And, and, and what happens is there's great reward when you surrender and when you submit and when you yield and when you die to yourself, can I have an amen out there? So I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I now live, uh, the, uh, excuse me, I no longer, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, now I'm not dead, in my body now, I live by faith. How do I do that? By faith. Come on, say it. How do I do it? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if this isn't strong, you're not going to be able to do it this way. My, my fuel comes, my fire comes from my fervency in my faith with Jesus Christ. I can't love her like Christ loved the church if I am not experiencing on a regular basis that fervent relationship with God myself. That's why I get up every single morning before everybody is awake and I have my time with God. Every single morning, including this morning. Just reading in the word, nourishing myself so that I can nourish my wife, so that I can present her holy, so that I can cleanse her with the water of the word. You got to do that every single day. And if I don't, then I'm going to fail. I'm, I'm going to, my, my, my uh, flesh will be alive and it'll be all about me. Me, 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 me. Okay. So when I got married, I didn't get the memo on this because it was all, the marriage was all centered around me and it was rough. You know, we say we've been married 26 years, but it's been 16, 17 wonderful years, right? Because there was a big gap in there where I had to have a slow death. And some of you are experiencing a slow death. Okay? All right. Praise the Lord. This is so exciting and builds me up in my faith. Here's our big idea, okay? Here's our big idea. If you want joy and happiness in this world, then lay your life down for Jesus. If that's true, since the word's axiomatic, and if you are married, then you've got to lay down your life for your wife, man. And one precedes the other, but one is also connected and inextricably linked to the other. You cannot lay your life down for your wife if you're not laying your life down for Jesus. And if you want happiness and you want fulfillment and you want significance, lay it down for Jesus. But it should show up and look like you're laying it down for your wife because those two are connected and that makes a lot of sense. Praise the Lord. You're not going to be happy unless you do that. Well, yes, I will. Oh, okay, maybe for a little while, buddy. Maybe for a little while, but I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, a reckoning is coming, and you'll see that. Just two nights ago, I'm sitting in my, my recliner. Some of the best things happen in my recliner. I don't know what it is, but anyway, some bad things too. But, but I was sitting in my recliner. A text message comes in. I'm watching a, a, a movie with my, my daughter and my wife, and, and, it, and, it, and it's, and it's this, this couple that had left our church uh, kind of abruptly uh, a while back. And, um, and basically, everything, if you, if you were talking to them back then, everything's great, everything's great, everything's great, everything's great. How many know when I got the text message, everything wasn't great? And basically, she went on to say, he doesn't know I'm doing this, and I don't know what to do, but our life's a shambles. Ever since we left the church, we've fallen away from God. We, God's not even on the radar for us anymore, and I didn't really want to leave. Blah, blah, blah. 
And that was all going on because, see, it all, it all looks like it's great. But if you're not laying your life down for Jesus, it ain't great. It's just a matter of time before things begin to fall apart and unravel. Can I have an amen out there? And so, so it, the same thing when it's, when, it's up, when it's marriage in relationship with your spouse. How many of you are married? Okay. How many of you want to be married? Praise the Lord. How many of you believe in marriage? Okay. How many of you like to get out of your marriage? Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't raise, don't raise your hand. Okay. So, so, so you might be here and you believe in marriage, but you're not married. And somebody's like, <laughs> if, if you believe in marriage, but you're not married, uh, then, then you, you, you want to go and find a wife, as Pastor uh, Shannon was saying last week. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, and I won't preach that again. But if you're single right now, uh, and, and, and you're, you're, you're not seeing this whole marriage thing, right? Maybe you have the gift of celibacy like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, 7. And it's interesting how sometimes people come to that conclusion. This, this is my simple litmus test, whether you have the gift of singleness. And that is, if you look at a cactus in the desert, and you look at a woman, and you get the same feelings, you have the gift of singleness. Okay, everybody? All right, there's your little simple test. Okay. But for people to have a happy marriage, this is a summation, okay? As a pastor, as a counselor, doing relationships for like 25 years, if you're going to have a happy marriage, then basically if somebody said to me, I have a happy marriage, then I would say their needs are being met. And if somebody says to me, I don't have a happy marriage, then I would say their needs are not being met. So I want to give you guys and girls, you get to listen in, and singles, you'll learn a lot from this. I want to give you three needs of a woman, okay, from a man's perspective. My wife will do three needs of a man from a woman's perspective next week. So here's the first one. Write this down if you're taking notes. The first need of a woman is communication, gentlemen, communication. Now, guys, we have a hard time with this. I've had such a hard time with this over the course of my marriage. Just crazy. Uh, it reminds me of a guy who was walking on the, the beach of California, and, uh, and, and he was kind of, had his, you know, kind of iPad, iPhone in, excuse me, with earplugs, and he's listening to praise and worship music, and he was a great guy. And all of a sudden, the skies open up, and, and God shines a light down on him and speaks from heaven and says, my son, my son, I'm so pleased with you. You're just seeking me. You've been such a, just such a, a great example as a Christ follower. I want to give you your heart's desire. What is your heart's desire, son? And the guy says, <laughs> really like wow I didn't expect to have this moment with you God this is incredible and so he says uh, uh, I would like to be able to have a bridge from here all the way to Hawaii and and because I, I I've always wanted to go there but I can't afford to go there but I could drive there and, and so that's 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 my desire can I have that and God's like oh, I didn't expect that son I mean uh, isn't that a little bit selfish you know I I was kind of expecting something different from you, like something, you know, more philanthropic, something more selfless. But, I mean, do you know the amount of steel and ore and the construction and the architectural, you know, arrangements that have to be made to build a bridge from here all the way to Hawaii? That's immense. Why don't you think about it a little bit more before you kind of cash in your desire? The guy's like, oh, geez, okay. I guess I should think about this a little bit more, be a little bit more spiritual. He goes, I, okay, God, I would like to be able to understand my wife. I would, like to be, I would like all men to be able to understand their wives. I would like to be able to connect with their feelings. I'd like to know what they're saying when they're saying it. Uh, I'd like to be more sensitive to them and, and just really, really, really understand. And there was a little pause, and God responds to this, this precious soul, and he says, would you like two lanes or four lanes on that bridge? 
But the point is, if you don't communicate with her, you're never going to be able to connect with her. Amen? And, and when you get married, there's kind of a, there there's kind of has to be this commitment, this desire that goes off that I am going to communicate. I'm going to communicate. As men, sometimes we, we have to remove certain vocabulary from our relationship. Now, in conflict, I would say you have to remove always and never. You don't say you always and you never. Like, just take that out, okay? But, guys, in communication with your wife, here's two words you want to remove from the relationship. And these two words, you got to write these down. Fine and good. Fine. All the ladies are loving this right now. Fine and good. When my wife comes home and says, honey, how was your day? Do not say good. Good. That is a dart of death to your relationship, everybody. Ladies don't want the headlines. Uh, they, they, don't want the, they don't want the bottom lines. They want the whole story. Tell me the story. And when I first got married, this is just my thinking. I didn't say it out loud, but I come home from work. My wife would be like, how was your day? And she would, she would start on me. Do you know what I mean? Like, she'd just start on me. Just like, questions, 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 questions. You know what I mean? And we, we'd just get home and, you know, where, where were you? Why, why, you're not, why weren't you home earlier? Where did you go? What did you do? You know, uh, who were you with? What did they say? You know, um, why did you do that? Why did you do this? And I was like, ah! Just, starts, just, just started on me, and I was just overwhelmed by that. It would go on and on, and I would just think, why is this, where are all these questions coming from? And were they just stored up all day, and they just came out like, you know what I mean? I was blown away. And then I, then I, then I go on, and I talk to one of my guy friends, and I'd be like, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, good. I was like, it's over. Like, we were good. <laughs> we're, we're good. We're good. But, but it's not like that. When, when I was studying for, for, for messages, that one time I was studying for messages and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I was, this is going to be a little, I'm not going to get too teachy on this, but there's two different types of biblical translations. There's what we call exact equivalency translations and then there's a dynamic equivalency translation. Now, exact equivalency translations would be Bibles like King James, New King James, New American, New American Standard Bible. And these are what you call word-for-word translations. Great study Bibles. At some point as you grow in your faith, you always want to get a word-for-word translation because you can study the nuances of a word. Then there's other dynamic. These are what you call thought-for-thought or ideas, thematic ideas. And New Living Translation would be an example of that. And so when I was studying these two differences and getting ready to explain them better than what I just did, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's Stacy. <laughs> She's word for word and thought for thought. And she wants both those things. And that's how women sometimes are. They want, they want the word. What did he say? Tell me. No, exactly. What did he say? You know, and, and how did that make you feel? And what were you thinking when that happened? And, and, and that's Guys, you need to understand, that's what it means to communicate. And we have to grow in this as husbands. This is how we lay our life down. You don't literally have to do as much. uh, The selflessness manifests in the, the conversations between you and your spouse. Guys, this is how she connects with us. Is through communication. And my wife and I uh, talk every day now. Uh, on average, we talk about 30 minutes a day in meaningful conversation and interaction between each other. And it's a practice. Uh, it's, a, it's a necessary part of our relationship. I actually heard one guy in a counseling situation, and the counselor advised the husband, you need to spend 30 minutes a day talking to your wife. And he said, he said Doc, you will find me dead on the sidewalk with my brain sucked out if that ever happened. How many know that's a bad answer to the counselor, everybody? 
<laughs> I'm telling you, this is something you have to do every day. Now, I personally, I didn't like it at first. Like, it, 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 now I do. Now I do. I want to go on record, honey, if you, when you listen to this, now I do, okay? I like it, all right? But, but I wasn't always that way because, because I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to add my two cents. I was, I was good at sometimes listening, and then there's, a, there's conversation she wants to have. And she wants to get deeper. And sometimes, guys, we don't know how to do this. And, and, and so at first, I just kind of had to start, you know. She goes, you know, she, you, know tell, you know, on a Monday, she'd come back in the afternoon. She'd say, how was your Monday? Is your day off? And so I'd start. I'd be like, well, you know, it was dawn when I, when I rose from my bed. <laughs> it was about 6 a.m. when my feet touched the carpet. I could feel the tingling through my feet. But as I took my first step, I realized that my glutes and my lower back were really sore from the day before. And as I went onto the hallway, I could hear Hunter pitter-pattering through the halls. And then, and then it was as if I heard landscapers coming upon my, my yard. And, 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 and then, you know, I began to think about my day and, and, and the things that had happened just the week before, and I had a feeling of euphoria. Oh, and as soon as I used the word feeling, whoo, she came closer to me. Because women love it when you tell them how you feel, okay, gentlemen? Everybody say feelings, okay? I won't sing the song because my son's somewhere in the house here. But, but that's what they want to know. Listen, use that word feeling. And initially, guys, this, this is, don't write this down. But initially, if you don't know what to say, just make things up. Just make things up, okay? <laughs> All right. Because we don't really get it. And then when they're talking to you and you don't get what they're saying, a little clue is you just say, and then what happened? And because, because they'll keep going if you do that. And, and, and maybe eventually you'll get it. Maybe eventually you'll get it. I don't know. And so, <laughs> listen, when, when, when your wife, gentlemen, asks you how you're feeling and, and you say, I don't know, um, ladies, you need to know, first of all, we're not lying, Okay. We're not lying. We don't know how we feel, okay? And so I have a friend who was going through a work transition, and he lost his job after 25 years of service. And his wife asked him, you know, honey, how did you feel about that? And he said, you know, I don't know. And she said, did it make you upset? Are you, are you hurt? Are you upset about that? He said, no. And she said, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. And later he came to me, and he said, you know what? I thought about it, and yes, I am. See, she, she, she helps with that. There's this process that people go through. And the thing you need to know, ladies, is that men come from the manufacturer uh, detached from their emotions. In other words, it's like toys in a toy store. You know when you get the box and the toy, and, and then on the bottom corner it says, some assembly required? That's men emotionally. There's some assembly required. Listen, listen, this is good. And ladies, it's your job, and men, you need to understand this too, it's their job to help connect you to the parts of you that are not assembled completely. It's part of the design and the relationship between a husband and wife. In fact, if you were a great athlete, I heard this story one time, uh, and, and, and this guy was a great basketball player, and he didn't realize that he had some kind of issues with his father, and she was picking up on that, and he played ball in college, and he was a tremendous athlete. And she said, so honey, your father didn't come to the championship basketball game? And she said, no, he didn't. And, and so what you're saying, is, and of course, he's not getting where she's going. And then so what you're saying is, um, didn't you tell me that all the other fathers were there 
at the championship basketball game watching their sons and your, your players of your team play. And, and she's going on. And, of course, he's not connecting with that. And then she says, isn't it true that in the last three seconds you scored the winning basket and everybody began to cheer and all the fathers and all the people began to jump up and down and your father wasn't there? And he goes, yeah. Oh, and he kind of has like a, like a kind of connection. And he goes, what was that? And she goes, that's a feeling. That's a feeling. She's connecting the busted parts, okay? And, 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 and it wasn't long after that that this guy was crying with her watching This Is Us. And, and, and before you know it, everything starts to kind of work right, okay? So sometimes people come into my office and, and, and they're, they're connecting and, and, and there's the counseling situation. And, and, the, and, and, and I asked the wife, you know, this just happened. This just happened like three days ago. And I asked the wife, I said, so... I can feel some tension. I go, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about this meeting? And she says, she just, no, she doesn't say anything. She bursts out into tears. Hadn't even said a word. Starts to cry. By the way, this is why I have tissues. It's for women when they cry and men to blow their nose. And so she just bursts into tears. We haven't even said a word yet. And so then I looked at him and I'm basically saying, so, so, so why, don't you, why don't you tell me about your relationship with your parents? You know, why don't you, why don't you let me know what's kind of going on in your childhood and things like that? Well, there's not much to say. And I said, so well, just, you know, kind of tell me how was the relationship between your father and mother? Well, he left me in the woods when I was a baby, you know. <laughs> you know, and he's, I was raised by bears, <laughs> you know. And it, at least that's what my wife says, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what guys do. We just use humor, you know. I said, well, well, how did that make you feel? Well, the, I like caves and the honey's awesome, <laughs> you know, and they just, they can't stop. And, and I, how did it make you feel that your parents abandoned you? And I like Paris' parents. <laughs> you know, they, we just, are you guys getting what I'm saying here? We don't and won't get it if you don't help us. So benefits of communication with your wife, write this down. Three needs of a woman. They need communication. We already did that. Here's the benefits. Women connect through communication. If you connect with them, listen, guys, here, here comes the incentive. They'll connect with you. I'll just leave that there for a second. Let that hang, okay? Maybe you'll get what that means, okay? All right. Here's the next benefit, okay? When you connect with a woman, you are learning to connect with God. Because, listen, God has both male, this would be weird for some of you, male and female characteristics, okay? He is complete, whole. El Shaddai, you know? He's complete and whole. And so this, this is why sometimes, this is just my opinion, men sometimes can't worship. I talked about intimacy not too long ago at our worship night because we're not fully connected to our feelings. David was a great example of someone who was connected to his feelings. He was a warrior and could slit somebody's throat and he could take names and he was just, I mean, he was a warrior. But he was also a worshiper. He could just drop to his knees. He could, he could just worship before whoever. He didn't care what anybody thought because he was in love with God and he didn't care who knew, who knew about that. We need to be connected to our feelings. So, so when you connect with a woman, you're learning to connect with God. And then here's the final kind of incentive is the mirror of God on this earth is a marriage. You learn what God is like, what he looks like through the mirror of marriage. And so God creates the stars and he creates trees and animals and says, that's good. But then when he saw man alone, he said, that's not good. In Genesis 2.18, he's looking down. He's like, it's not good that that man should be all by himself. So I'm going to make him a helper. Maybe Adam was running around naked with scissors. I don't know. But he was concerned. There was some sort of concern for him down there, perhaps. And that's why, let me just say something. 
affairs, affairs are never justified. And this is a generalization, and I just want to say that just kind of as a, a disclosure. And, and, but do you know why affairs happen? A lot, most affairs happen because women won't honor their husbands and won't give them sex. Just let that sit there for a second. However, women have affairs because husbands won't listen to women, all right, and they won't make them feel special. That's just an oversimplification of a massive and complicated problem. That happens all the time. Here's the second thing that women need to know is that, or that men need to know is that we need to exercise leadership. Women want leadership. Now, it's not what you think. Okay, the most common complaint in Christian marriages is he won't lead. He just won't lead. He just won't lead. He just won't lead. And it's not what you think she wants. She doesn't want domination, she wants initiation. Initiation is what biblical leadership looks like. God demonstrated his love toward us. He came toward us. He gave himself for us. You and your husband, you know, maybe going somewhere and he initiates the conversation. That would be amazing, you know what I mean? The word leadership, break it down. Lead her ship, okay? Hopefully you guys get that. But we're supposed to lead our wives like Christ led the church, he was selfless, he was sensitive, he wasn't intimidating, demeaning, and critical. I don't know anybody that wants to be led like that. Nobody wants to be led by being dominated or, or, or you know, just told what to do. Nobody wants to be led by an absent leader either. How many times, what if you went to God and just like, God, I got a problem, I need your help with it. God, I don't know what to do, I need wisdom in a certain situation. God, what do you think about this? You know, what if he just said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, ask your mother. What? <laughs> Well, wait a second. Uh, anyway, but, but that's sometimes what women are doing with their husbands. They're going and saying, hey, listen, I, I got a question about this. And what should, what should we pay first? And, and you know, are we going to tithe or not? Or, you know, I got a problem with the kids. And, and, and whatever you think, honey, whatever you think. See, she wants leadership in that situation. And if God, thank God God is not like that. Can I have an amen out there? God gives us leadership. So how can a man lead? Here's how he can lead. Um, whoops, let's back up. In spiritual matters, in spiritual matters, okay? I can't tell you how many women over the years have said, if, if, if I didn't lead, we wouldn't even be going to church right now. If I didn't lead, we wouldn't be serving. We wouldn't be in a small group. We wouldn't be giving. That's what women are thinking because they're the ones carrying the mantle of spiritual headship in the home, and it's supposed to be on us as husbands. Men, lead your home spiritually. That's what she wants. And I'll tell you this, it's sexy to them. You know, godliness is sexiness. If that sounds kind of weird, there's a, there's a truth to that. And I think men struggle sometimes to lead spiritually because, because sometimes women are intimidating because women are communicators. So when they pray, it's just like, wow, like that, wow. You know, it seems like their relationship was 30 years long and they could talk for, for 30 hours to God and, and men are getting intimidated by that. So you got to be careful, ladies, not to intimidate men. But at the same time, men, just be authentic, be real. You can be short and sweet with God, but be sincere and be authentic or be bold and courageous. That's very attractive to women. You don't have to pray professional to be the priest and prophet of your home. Amen? And then they want you to lead with the children. And spiritual matters lead with the children. She wants you to be involved. A lot of men are not involved. And again, if you want to 
If you want some of the things that you're looking for, not that you can formalize this or, or demand reciprocation, but I'm just telling you as a byproduct of, of appropriate leadership, it will, be, it will be blessed. But she wants you to be involved in the situations that are going on. And I think men need to lead in discipline. If the woman is leading in discipline, there's dysfunction in the home. Now, and I'm not saying they don't carry the quantity of it, but there needs to be involvement from the husband in discipline, especially when the kids, actually, I wouldn't say any ages. I would say all ages. It's just, it's more black and white when they're young, and it becomes more complicated as they get older. Trust me. Come talk to me about that. <laughs> but anyway, and the third area is lead, and this is one we have the hardest time with of all, is lead in romance. Romance is simply when you anticipate a need before it's asked for. It's not just flowers and, and kisses and, and, you know, expensive gifts. No, it's anticipating a need before it's asked for. Like this morning, I just told my wife do you need a ride uh, to church this morning i'll arrange it for you because her car's in the shop i anticipated a need let me just tell you something good decision you know all right you know the, the driveway's plowed got up 5 30 in the morning make sure it's you know I, I shoveled the whole driveway make sure she get out and not have to slip and fall salted so she didn't break her neck okay that's my job and that's romantic to her when i emptied the dishwasher it's romantic everybody <laughs> You know, now I let everybody know, dad is great, putting the dishes away. You know, I mean, I let everybody know that I'm doing that, okay? But that's okay, all right? So I listen, and I hear what her needs are. Now, sometimes I don't do that, and as a result, it doesn't go well. Here's the third need of a woman. That's security. Everybody say security. security. Now, I would say this is one of maybe the number one need of a woman. If you talk to a woman, gentlemen, in insecure terms, listen, listen, she can't even hear you. She doesn't, it doesn't connect. She can't hear you. If you say anything that makes her feel insecure in the, relationship, in the relationship, she can't hear you. So I think we need to let her know emotionally that we got her. There's a certain safety net, an emotional safety net that we provide for our spouse. I remember when I was doing weddings. Uh, I used to sing at weddings before I actually performed weddings as the officiant uh, before. And one of the songs that everybody always asked me to sing was the song by Stephen Curtis Chapman. And it was called I Will Be Here. Tomorrow morning if you wake up and the sun does not appear, I, I will be here. Anybody heard that song? Yeah. If in the light you inside of hope, hold my hand and have no fear, I, I will be here. And it goes through all these different things that you're going to face. And then at the end it says, but honey, I'm going to be here for you. And see, so what she needs to know, even if you don't have a job. It's not on you. It's on me. I got you, baby. Don't worry about it, no matter what I have to do. If I, or if your job's not making enough money, I'm going to go, I'll get a second job if I have to. You don't have to worry about that. I got you. They need to feel that emotional support, and it's not always just in the, in the financial. It's mostly emotional. They're not looking for some of the things you're looking for. They're not looking for a big house and, 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 and toys to play with, you know, uh, three times a year. They're looking for you to provide regular and consistent emotional support and security to them. So how does a man provide that kind of security? Well, some of it is um, financial in nature. Financial stability is part of that, okay? Definitely part of that. It's my responsibility biblically to provide financial stability. Now, I don't expect her to carry this load. Now, that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that your wife or spouse cannot work. There can't be two or double incomes within the home. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying emotionally and spiritually, the responsibility falls on a man according to the Bible. First Timothy 5 says a man that cannot provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever or an infidel. I didn't say that, gentlemen. The Bible said that. So you can't put the weight or responsibility. If my wife doesn't want to work, and she has for off and on for most of our marriage, she's worked, 
But it's not her responsibility. If she says, I just can't do it anymore, I just can't do it anymore, then it's on me. Now, we decided as a couple in one mind agreement for her to work, to be able to maintain a certain standard, do certain things, pay off certain things, uh, have a certain quality of life. That was a joint decision, absolutely. But it is not a weight or responsibility she has upon her. Biblically, biblically. Is everybody tracking with me out there? And so, and this will sound kind of braggadocious, but everybody's plastering stuff all over, you know, Instagram bragging all the time. I'm not even sure bragging's even real anymore because there's so much bragging going on all the time. But, but, but I, I, she, never, she doesn't have that fear. She doesn't worry about the finances. She doesn't think about it. I worry about them sometimes, but I make sure she doesn't have to worry about them because she has a hardworking, dependable, always find a job, do whatever it takes, good-looking husband. I thought I'd put that last part in there for 26 years. Praise the Lord. So, But this is how men, you lay your lives down for them. And then the, the next two is emotional stability. We've already kind of talked about that already. Take the weight off her. She needs to know. You, you want her to understand you, then seek to understand her. You say, oh, I can't. You, you know. Well, the Bible says deal with your wives according to knowledge. That basically means you need to keep discovering what makes her tick, discovering what she's about. And some of the greatest arguments, discussions, Stacy and I have had is because she feels like she's communicated something to me over and over and over again, and I haven't heard her. And then when, when we have the argument, and I'm finally paying attention, and she says, I told you this, you know what, if when I pull away and I get through the smarting and the pain of the argument, I'd have to say, she's right, she has told me that, because I wasn't paying attention. Deal with your wives according to knowledge, and seek to understand before you can be understood. And then lastly, physical, another way you provide security is physical stability. Now, the typical machismo man thinks, I gotta like, go out there and make sure no dogs bite her in the neighborhood. Yo, Adrian. Or I got to make sure, you know, if there's a prowler in the night, you know. Some of you guys won't even get up with that. Like, there'll be like a loud noise. And she'll go, what was that? I don't know, honey. I don't know. I don't know. Can you check? Can you check? I mean, that's happening more often now. But it's not just get up in the night with a baseball bat and make sure the house is clear. You might have to stand up to one of your children who's, who's, who's attacking your, your, your spouse, your best friend, your helpmate, your partner in life. You might have to stand up to a family member who's disrespecting your wife. Is everybody getting? That's what it means by physical stability in the household. And I, I, I've just seen this over and over and over again within marriage time and time again. How, how about you guys stand on your feet? Let me pray for you, okay? Did you get something out of everybody? Okay, okay. Praise the Lord. Now, ladies, I know you took good notes. Hopefully, gentlemen took better notes. Don't slide those notes over later on to your husband, you know. Don't stick it in his Bible for his morning devotions. All right. No emails with, like, you know, JPEGs and pictures of that. All right. Praise the Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray for you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just want to thank you uh, for the opportunity to speak your word to men in this house. I pray, Lord, that they would be uh, with humor, but also um, because of that, be able to pallet the responsibility that we have as husbands with our wives. And, and I think about how much Jesus loved us. And if you think about, gentlemen, how much Jesus loved you, it's not because he sits in a recliner and he barks out commands to us and tells us what to do and how to do it. No, it's because he left heaven and served you and me. And I pray that we are goaded and challenged in our soul to serve our spouse, to serve our, our, our wife, and to lay down our life like Christ laid down his life for the church, and that we would celebrate the differences and that that would make all the difference in Jesus' name. 
I thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity that you had uh, to speak through me to this church and to put and sow the word of God in our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen.